Daddy, I need you. Daddy. Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. I made up a Donnie, new song. make sure you start the, the audio from the Daddy, I Need You. I made up a new song. I made up a new song. Oh, Daddy, I Need You. Oh, Daddy, 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 yeah. I don't know why I jumped in my head this morning. I don't know. What I don't either. What was the inspiration behind that? Well, I had a stressful day I mean, yesterday. Oh, great. Oh, you had a stressful day. Okay. Yeah, it was a stressful day. So, so this is what happened yesterday. Um, obviously, there was the tremendous LSU loss. It's a rebuilding year. We got to rebuild. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Go ahead. Keep going. We'll talk about that in a second. It's a tremendous LSU loss. It's a rebuilding year. But also, uh, I went and got my body worked on to help with my back. And the guy okay, was phenomenal. Good. But it was some of the most intense pain I've ever experienced in my life. Apparently, my hip flexor muscles are all tight. I've been boxing mm. for months and not stretching. And now there's all this tension in my hip flexors. And this guy got the tension out of the hip flexors. And God damn it. Like, so funny. I lay down and he goes, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, see this right here? <laughs> I'm like, what? He goes, see how this moves and this doesn't move? And he goes, all right, I'm going to administer pain. And it's going to be like on a six level. You know, it's like, I got to get in That's there. That's high. I got to get in there. And the whole time he's like, he, he the whole time he goes, no, if you if you need me to stop, just say stop. So you know that I'm never gonna say stop now, right? Because I ain't gonna pull me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. And can see how this is going. He went to work. He went to work. It's good though. I, my hip flexors are loose though. At least he loosened. That's up. what I was gonna say. How do you feel this morning? It was good. But I think when I was on You're the table, when I was on the table, yeah, very sore. When I was on the table, I was like, in my mind, I was like, oh, daddy. Oh, dad. Oh, father. Okay. Oh, father. Father in heaven. Daddy. Is it Was weird to this- call God daddy? I, I, I'm not familiar with many people using that phrase towards him, but sure, go at it. Listen, is, was this guy a professional stretcher? Yeah, he works with the U.S. volleyball team. He works with the uh, with the, Olympic, okay. the, the the Olympic team. Is this your first time going to a professional stretcher? God, most likely a woman. Um, yes. Life changing. Yeah. Is it not? I had one in Miami. I will never get a massage again. I mean, Men when I was in getting... Miami. I'm sorry. What? I'm litigating something in my head. Go ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had never felt that kind of release in my life. You think a massage yeah. helps you release anything? Getting stretched, like they would strap me strap me down to the table, like put a strap on, move your leg this way. Is that the kind of stuff that was happening? Oh like my you're, God. He's got the thing. It's amazing. He's, he's, he's got a blade and he's scraping the blade across your body going, I'm, I'm loosening up your nerves. You're very tight. He's like, he's like, relax. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dog, I'm relaxed. He's like, no, you're not. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I'm doing my best, motherfucker. It's great. It's great. Now let's revisit something else you said. LSU. The loss of LSU. Yeah, they lost. I wanted to come here and give it to you more, but you already walked in saying it's a rebuilding year. So like I can't I can't do too much because Texas won their game, right? Who did they play? 
I, it doesn't matter. We blew it does. them up. We, we did this last year. We did this it last year when you were Louisiana talking about Monroe. how much Texas won that University game. Did they play Monroe. Arkansas? They got fucked up. So but they did it this time. <laughs> but they did it this time. It was. I think it was 45-0. Probably wrong on that score. Anyways, they blew them Texas, out. Texas looks good. I'm not going to lie. I'm but but this is what I'll say about LSU. You, you were quick to say it's a rebuilding year. But I thought that was a fantastic game. It was fun to watch. Obviously, it literally came down to seconds. Second? A second? Um, I don't know. I think they're better than a rebuilding year. No, I'm I think, I think, more... no, I, I think when you, when you, the things you have to look at in the game are like the unbelievably stupid mistakes that were made. Two muffed punts, two blocked kits, a blocked <laughs> field goal, and a blocked extra point to tie. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, they're rebuilding. Uh, Mason Taylor, the fight, the, fan, the fantastic young, um, young tight end that blocks out instead of down uh, on on the kickoff and then we get beat off the edge. You know, those are things that he's a true freshman. So those are things. And we, Jason and we, Taylor's son. Jason Taylor's son, a fantastic player. Going to be one of the greatest tight ends in LSU history. He's a true freshman. Will Campbell starting at left tackle, true freshman. Um, patchwork offensive line. It's a rebuilding year. Like I think uh, this game was a good reality check for all the LSU fans to know that we're going to be in for a year where we see the team really have to get over some humps. But Look, what do you think about Daniels? I thought he played good for the mo- for the most part. To me, if, if I think he's not a perfect quarterback, you know, there could be you could talk about whether or not he goes throughout his read progress goes throughout his progressions before he tucks in and runs with it. But the guy passed for two hundred nine yards. He ran for one hundred sixteen yards. Like without him, we're not even close. I mean, we we drove ninety nine yards in a minute and twenty seconds. And scored a touchdown. That's like old school saint <laughs> shit. Do you remember the time? I don't know if people remember this. Mongoose might remember it. Rachel, you might remember it. Do you remember the time? <laughs> uh, Stop. Do, do you remember the time where the Saints were down to Jacksonville and they Jacksonville scored late, right? Jacksonville scored mm-hmm. late and they kicked the ball off to the Saints. And we needed a touchdown to tie. And we returned the kickoff. I think maybe like with 30 seconds left or something, we returned the kickoff for a touchdown. All of these laterals returned the kickoff for a touchdown. And then we missed the extra point. And that's like what it felt like. Because a 99-yard a ninety-nine yard drive with 120 left on the clock is nuts. It's yeah, no. nuts. And then you, but, you score the touchdown with one second left. Your extra your extra point gets blocked. It's just tough stuff. But does it not putting a positive spin on it? Does it not make it hope make you feel hopeful that you can do that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think okay. in the second half we started to find some things, but you know, it's just uh, it's just tough. Top Gun Maverick just passed Black Panther to become the fifth highest grossing movie ever at the domestic box office. What do you what do you what do you feel about that? How you feel? I mean, America, America I'm not surprised. Maverick more than Black hmm? Panther. America you said likes, what? America likes Maverick more than Black Panther. How do you feel? No, Black Panther 2 might be Top Gun 2. It might. Doubt it. It might. You don't know. Actually, don't I know. think that it will. But, Maybe but you also have to look at the timing of Top Gun 2. I mean, it was purposely pushed back, pushed back, pushed back to be the movie to do exactly what it's doing now. Bring people back to the theaters, get people excited, start at the top of the become the movie of the summer. Now it's the movie of the year. Like the timing really helps it all fall into place. 
Do you uh did you like the movie? I did because I don't like the original. You don't like the original Top Gun? What's your beef with it? It's disjointed. It's like a bunch of different scenes rather than one. It doesn't flow like Top Gun 2 flows. I know exactly what the goal is. I know where we're headed in the movie and what we're trying to do. The first one is just like a bunch of random scenes scenes together. And I watched it before I watched the new one. And it even highlighted that even more. Did you, uh, had you ever seen Top Gun before? I had seen pieces of it, scenes of it. And then I realized as I watched the movie all the way through, oh no, I have seen the movie because that's all it is. It's just a bunch of scenes. It's the soundtrack. It's the iconic bar scene. You know, it's, it's, that's what people talk about. Not the movie as a whole. I feel like, I don't know. Top Gun original wasn't my thing. And the second one blows it out the water. So the second one is better, but let me tell you something. And I said that to Tom Cruise and I interviewed him. I go, dare I say it? Second one's better than the first. And it is. Said, it is. But I will say this. Yeah. About the original <laughs> he Top said, Gun. yeah. <laughs> the original Top Gun is not a movie that's been, that's, that was made to be seen for the first time in fucking 2002. How you missed Top care. Gun. How you I missed, saw pieces it, of it. it, it I, I just don't understand. Pieces. I mean, by the way, I, in any way, it, hey, Rachel, you are who you are, baby. I love you, support you, protect you, all of those things. But the reality of the situation, I just don't understand how you go that many years and you just never, you never watched Top Gun. I never cared to. It didn't <laughs> appeal to me in that way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just not my jam. We've been through this before. I was prohibited from seeing so many movies that I just got to the point where I was like, I don't care. And that's really what happened. I would love to have a love, the love of movies that you do. Unfortunately, that was taken away from me. Well, so besides basketball, what were your, what did you do for fun as a kid? Besides, I ran track. Besides basketball. Cause we, okay. Nigga. We all played sports. So besides playing sports. Oh, you just mean besides well, Yeah, because like we we played sports, right? So I played every single sport you could play and tennis. I was a mm-hmm. big round nigga out there on the tennis court with the tennis team. But after that, I came home. I watched movies. You know, I played video games. Mm-hmm. You know, all kinds of stuff. Magic cards. What did you do for fun? What did little Ray so do what for fun? A- what okay, we're age. I did a I did a lot of make believe. Okay. 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 This is good. I I watched a lot of movies, uh-huh. but they were like G PG rated movies. And then I would act out these movies. I did a lot of like playing in the neighborhood. I did a lot of playing in the neighborhood with friends. We did a lot of make believe. I did a lot of like acting out, having my sister and my friends act out certain oh. like redo movies when we were kids. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you saw movies yes, just not I good. Cre- I had a creative mind. You saw you saw <laughs> you're a creative person. You saw movies just not good movies. <laughs> That's your opinion. What movies did you I see? Saw movies. We watched a lot of Disney Channel. Okay. A lot, not as much Nickelodeon. We were Disney kids. Right. Nickelodeon's all fucked up. You should be glad you didn't watch it. Nickelodeon, the Nickelodeon guy was fucking child molester or something like that. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. This guy was all fucked up. Did you see that? All that stuff about that guy, Dan Schneider from Nickelodeon? Yeah. 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 He's a foot no, fetish, no. foot fetish, making the kids do all kinds of feet stuff. And it's so weird. This is just fucking weird. All making kids do feet stuff is weird. Weirdo stuff. Um, but yeah, so you you had a lot of make believe in these movies. What were your what were some of your top movies that you that you like? I mean, 
we talked Polly on this that you had never seen in your life, which you asked people. We talked about this. I was backed up. Okay. Most people, black people have Polly in their childhood. I'm telling you they did. Not of my generation. We're the same generation. No, I'm a little older. Like, niggas wasn't fucking with no, that Polly No, no, no. We're four years apart. That's the same generation. Stop. Um, what were your other personal favorites? All the Disney movies. Matilda was a personal favorite. Jack Matilda? Yeah, Matilda was cool. It's for kids. Matilda was a good one. Some of these movies are for kids. I was a kid. Yeah. I was a kid watching kid movies. That's what you don't understand. I did not watch PG-13 movies until I was 13. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't the kid that would sneak away and do it on my own. I played video games like N64 was big. Okay. I played in, like I played Mario Kart. OK. Um, you know, my dad's a big wrestler. So we did a lot of WCW wrestling. Uh-huh. On okay, there. Sweet. He would always, and then as I got older, he would invite my like my friends would come over, like my guy friends would come over and play with him. Now, once I got Wait, into what? Yeah. Like my dad would play video games with my guy friends. That sounds fucking terrible you come over Why? to the house that's controlled see the judge think he's slick i love the judge <laughs> like let me not, like, let me I tell you something dating any of these the guys. judge <laughs> the, the judge the judge is a master god damn i look up to this man this guy's a federal judge raised brilliant daughters you know amazing marriage that's intact and he also was able to control his household. <laughs> you come over to the house, you some little snot-nosed boy. I want to come over and see Rachel just to play video games. Okay, if it's about playing video games, then play video games with me. Mm. Yeah, you don't have to play video games with my daughter. If it's about playing video games, if that's all it's about, then sit down here and play video games with me. If it's really about the video games, then it doesn't matter who you're playing video games with. What you'll do is you'll, play video, my- games, you'll play video games with me. And you come down. Play video games with the judge, not even knowing that they're being controlled. They're being controlled These by the judge. I love it. Were my friends? Okay. Stop. These were my friends. But by the time I hit fourteen, I was clubbing. Oh my god! And I was fully able to, because that's when teen clubs were big back then. Teen clubs were big. See, I this, don't know if they do teen clubs see, anymore, but I was allowed to go out to the clubs at fourteen. That's when I started hanging around Shaheen. Shaheen. Uh huh. <laughs> See, this is what happens, though. See, this is what happens. If a kid doesn't have a proper childhood, which you clearly didn't, all it does, <laughs> like, all, like all it does, is cause them to actually grow up faster. Like that's it, it causes them to grow up faster when you got them in there, and it's all about the walls of Jericho when they should be watching all kinds of different. Look, I. I w- we watch kitty movies as well. I'm, I, I just because we know the never ending story, the flight of the navigator. You hate oh, it. Oh, flight of the navigator is so that was one of my flight of the navigator too. is amazing. Flight of the navigator is great. Flight, you kids don't even know about flight of the navigator, you know. And then by the time you came along, were, were there still cartoons or was that era over? Well, we watched Care Bears, we were big into. <laughs> I was more of the care. Have, have I told you about the Care Bear My Cousins? My Little Pony. Oh, no, I, I love Care Cousins. Yeah. My Little Pony we were into. Um, but I watched like Darkwing Duck and DuckTales okay. and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad was too toxic for My Little Pony. He caught me watching it <laughs> once and he was like, nigga, 
get your ass up out get your ass up go outside and start a fight because i got like I, like I got into my little pony for like a second because like it, it became a point to where whatever was coming on like i was watching it now i have yeah, a, yeah. i have a shira story which i'm sure i've told on the podcast so i wasn't into shira but my little pony i started to i'm like looking i'm like oh this shit ain't bad he comes on my it wasn't bad. i'm like yeah this is kind of cool i come in my dad looks at me Get your ass up. Go outside. Stab somebody. <laughs> like, like, go outside. Like, you're not about to. Nah, I'm not. We're not that progressive. And so he 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 actually stopped me from watching My Little Pony. It's a true fact. That's. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the the issue, but I mean, whatever. Captain Planet. I never could fuck with him. Really? Cause it's like I have a problem with him because. The only you could stop him just by pollution, like he was cool, <laughs> but like all you have to do to stop him is to pollute the earth. That's his weakness. Like I, I understood the message and I liked the it. Message the message was important. You know what I mean? But I, I can't like Superman for you to get some kryptonite. You have to really so Batman versus Superman is not a great movie, but it does do one thing really well. It tells you just how hard it is to get kryptonite. Because Lex has to go through mm-hmm. this, the, all of these machinations to get kryptonite. Kryptonite is Superman's weakness, but it's incredibly hard to get. Man, I could get some trash from anywhere. I could get some, you know what I'm saying? I could get some trash, some waste. And it's like, that's that's too pronounced of a weakness for me, for Captain Planet. You know, and plus it came on like TBS and it just didn't. It, what came on Saturdays in the morning? Because I was big into all of that. I watched Power Rangers for sure. Okay, that, that I was worked. Big into, oh, that you approve that? Yeah. You approve that? Yeah. Whatever came on Saturday morning cartoons, I was very into. Well, it was different because remember, the golden age for me of Saturday morning cartoons, I've said this before, was just up until the time that Saved by the Bell got popping. Saved by the Bell ruined the Saturday morning cartoon, in my opinion. <laughs> I love, I love, Saved I loved by it. The Bell, so, but Saved by the Bell started this trend of NBC saying, "Hey, man, are like thirteen-year-olds watching Saturday morning cartoons? Because Saturday morning cartoons, I mean, there was there was a moment where everybody had a cartoon. John Candy had a cartoon." Ralph Macchio had a cartoon. Mr. T. Everybody had all of these car- these great. And then there was then there was Dungeons and Dragons. Then there was all of these things that came on on Saturday morning, and it was really super dope. GI Joe. Um, sometimes GI Joe came on in the afternoon, depending on where you were. But anyway, but then Say by the Bell comes out. I mean, it's like I remember I saw I watched Say by the Bell like maybe like eighty nine, something like that, and it comes out, and after that Saturday morning starts getting dominated by like teen sitcoms. Say by the Bell. California Dreams, Hang Time, oh, City Guys. Like this they, is when I watched it. Yeah. Hang Time. Yeah. City Guys. City Guys. And they started playing Saved by the Bell like four times. They wouldn't just do one Saved by the Bell. They'd do two Saved by the Bells. And then it was like, oh, well, you got an hour of Saved by the Bell. Let's do an hour and a half of Saved by the Bell. And then by the time you, by the time you know it, your cartoons are really on between... They give you like a block of cartoons between 6.30 and 6.45. And they're like, all right, cool. Now, Mark Paul Gossler and Mark's Life. They had all of these different fucking <laughs> spinoffs. <laughs> I love that. I love that era. Also, I played the piano. So, you know, that was another thing I did. God damn, you had a real... you. I Actually, you know what? I changed my mind. You had a real childhood. 
The rest of us Thank had you. these raggedy ass experiences <laughs> full of different media that we call a childhood. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, what did you do during your childhood? Like, Van, what did you do? Shit, I seen Harlem Nights. That's a childhood. No, your childhood is the real childhood where you're running around doing faith-based plays in the neighborhood. We said yes. <laughs> Vacation Bible school. Vacation BBS, Bible school. as we called it. Yeah. Yes. And then, you, you know, you're doing. Uh, we went to the library. You're we doing. To see children's plays. Piano. Like, my childhood was basically come home from school. Boy, what you doing in this fucking house? Get your ass outside and do something. That was childhood. And then we would go outside and we would figure out what we were going to do. And as kids, we entertained ourselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Now that we've had. <laughs> really fun and engaging banter. It's time to get to all the bullshit going on in the world. On the other side of this is the big deal of the day. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever. Or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, Rachel. Were you a big weed smoker when you were a kid? Smoke a lot of weed. I was not. When did you smoke, when did you first smoke weed, Rachel? I've never discussed this conversation before. You've never discussed this before? Not on a podcast. When was the first time you smoked weed? Tell us. I don't remember. I don't I don't recall. So you're telling me you smoked so much weed that you can't remember the first time you smoked weed? Look, if pretty that's hair. That's what you're, you're taking from that. If you're listening to this, pretty hair, the judge, if y'all listening to this, your daughter has a problem. It's very sad. I first tried it in college under the influence of a problematic boyfriend. You let these niggas get you hooked on drugs, man. On <laughs> <laughs> drugs. Just traffic. On <laughs> drugs. No, no, that's when I first tried it. Those college. All right, Let the judge. You, this. you. I smoke weed with mom. Mom gave me a joint. Oh, yeah. What age? <sighs> Seventeen, eighteen. I might have been just out of high school, something like that. Mom gave me a joint. I don't know if she's gonna remember that. Did you like it? I didn't know how to do it. Yeah, yeah. usually yeah. don't. First I didn't know time. How to do it. But my mom, there was this whole thing that happened in the house when we realized that mom was smoking weed. <laughs> Ebony caught. Ebony went into mom. You know what? <laughs> Never mind. Because the last time we had, <laughs> yes. we had, we had conversations about this. People accused me of snitching on my mom with the whole petty cash thing. So I'm not gonna. I'm not doing anything. But it's well, you very, already have. You're halfway there. You already have. Well, this story. it's a very funny story just about how there was this scandal in the house once we realized that mom and dad was smoking weed. Right? It's a scandal in the house, and after the scandal happened, she became like fucking. Basically, Cheech and Chong. After the wool was off the goddamn, yeah, she, fucking. Why hide it? She now? was my mom was my mom was listening to Bone Thugs and Harmony. She took my Bone Thugs and Harmony CD. This is a true story, and was smoking weed 
to Bone Thugs and Harmony, talking about hitting that reefer. We don't get no better. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she was smoking weed, listening to the Bone Thugs. I'm like, and after that, it became like, nah, nigga, you a little too cool. She's a great mother. Okay, anyway. So speaking of weed, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf and Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, my guy, announced an effort to pardon state residents of nonviolent marijuana offenses. That deserves some applause. Donnie, put that in right now. According to CBS News, people with a select number of convictions will be able to get a pardon with a simple click of a button. Through the new Pennsylvania Marijuana Pardon Project, residents can submit an online application to appeal to have a pardon for their non-violent marijuana offenses. According to a press release on the project, Wolf has granted 2,098 pardons since taking office, 326 of which were part of an expedited review for non-violent marijuana-related offenses. This is in contrast to the 1,805 total pardons that were granted in the 15 years prior. Think about that increase. And 15 years prior to that, you have 1,800. Um, since Wolf has taken office, you have 2,000. That's called progress. Um, the governor said, I've repeatedly called on our Republican-led General Assembly to support the legalization of adult-use marijuana, but they've yet to meet this call for action from myself in Pennsylvania. Until they do, I am committed to doing everything in my power to support support, support Pennsylvanians who have been adversely affected by a minor marijuana offense on their record. Um, caveat. Those eligible for a pardon must have been convicted of either marijuana possession uh, and personal use in a small amount. The catch is that only those without additional convictions on their record can apply. Give this entire thing a letter grade if you were given it a letter grade, Rachel. Mm. Say the last part. Only those with without convictions. Without additional other convictions, convictions. Other convictions. Other convictions. In, in addition to the marijuana convictions can apply. And it doesn't. Mm. I'm going to say it's a B plus. B plus. Okay. A solid what B. What do you give it? Solid B for me. Solid B. Okay. Solid B. And a B is all you need, by the way. There's, there's, no, there's mm -hmm. no such thing as an A plus in politics. You, you we want A pluses. I mean, we want them, right? We want one hundred fifty thousand dollars in free. Like we 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 want we want A pluses, but B to a B plus in, in, in politics, that's a win. That's certainly a win. Yeah. Shit, a fucking C yeah. is a win. But B to B plus, that, that's a win. I I think this is this this is a this is a positive step. It's interesting to me that um the decriminalization of marijuana is still a political issue. You would think that both sides would be volleying to take that issue by the throat and and get all the votes from it that they can. Huh. I wonder what's why do you think why do you think that both sides would be willing to do that? I mean unless you're on the on the on the, the right side unless you're looking at it from an economic point of, like standpoint. But otherwise they use this to as a, a talking point for issues in upcoming elections. They certainly to be do against the Democrats. So I I, I don't I'm not shocked that it's still an issue because there's a huge sector, I think, of society that still wants to blame weed as a gateway drug and say that it causes other problems, leads to, to high crime without knowing statistically that it actually doesn't do either one of those things. I, I would just think that this would be something akin to criminal justice reform to where 
there's a lot of ways to act like you're doing something here and then not actually have to do it, right? It wouldn't really it wouldn't really change Pennsylvania that much uh, to decriminalize marijuana. I'm a, a, like it would change it in the better, should I say? But like it's something that you could do with very little, if to me, political backlash. It, Wait, is it decriminalized? In it hasn't. No, it hasn't been. Like he's he's okay, he's been calling been. on it to be decriminalized. Like if you think about criminal justice reform, that was something that for a long time was strictly uh, an issue that the left was championing. Championing, but you know because of Trump and the mostly neutered first step act that was that was passed. Uh, the the right has been able to claim criminal justice reform as part of what it is that they do, right? And I'm just mm-hmm. I'm surprised with it, it. It's it's all moralizing that they're holding on to to uh, demonizing marijuana in this way. I'm surprised at it actually because that to me, I think the Democrats should go harder because that's a layup right now, and in terms of generating cash and the business that legal weed is becoming. To see it still become a uh, still be an issue that's being volleyed around in places like Pennsylvania is peculiar to me, and it shows to me that like you know people can be politically stupid because I think that's politically stupid to be on the side of demonizing marijuana at this point. Well, so you're more saying that the Democrats should be doing more because right now this governor is up against the Republican legislature, if I'm understanding it correctly, which is why it hasn't been decriminalized in Pennsylvania. Well, well, I'm not saying anything that basically places blame with anyone. I mean, I think he's doing. I think these all these steps are the right steps. And obviously, you know, I have things to say about the fact that once you have that weed conviction, it makes your life uh, a little bit more difficult to exist in the public arena. So that first weed conviction is actually that's actually a gateway to having more criminal convictions. So I think when I look at this, I see the last part of that. Those without additional convictions. um, like they they can't can't apply i think that's a little simple i think if you had no other violent convictions uh it's super violent things then you should still be able to apply and even in that case i'd say you should still be able to get non-violent well you know what fuck that no matter what you've done if you have a non-violent weed charge on your record you should be able to get it off your record you should be able to get it off. It doesn't matter Absolutely. what doesn't matter what you've done when we're talking about the non-violent weed defense itself we have to take that out of the American demonization machine. But I guess my overall point, and it wasn't really pointed at this, it's just, it is surprising to see uh, weed still being demonized in this way. I know that it is, but it just shows you how allergic to progress one faction of the country is. It's like not a thing anymore, right? Well, you would think it's not a thing anymore, but I do think it's still a thing to a large sector Oh, sure. Of the yeah. of of the population, I think what's really interesting about this is that although many states are patting themselves on the back for passing the legalization of marijuana, very few have moved in this manner as the governor of Pennsylvania is doing, which to me is surprising that more people haven't taken the next step. More people with power, I should say, haven't taken the next step to do what um what's his name Tim Wolf. Governor yeah, Tim, Wolf. Tom Wolf, Tom Wolf, Tom the Wolf, Wolf Man. Tom Wolf. What what the Wolf Man is doing in Pennsylvania? Because to me, if you're serious about okay, you want to decriminalize marijuana, right? Because of the impact that it has, the 
disproportionate impact that it has on black and brown people, on people with lower socioeconomic status. And that's your purpose for decriminalizing it because it's not all of these things that people have said it is. It's not a gateway drug. It doesn't increase uh, crime or, or serious crime. Um, if you really believe that and you're trying to prevent that, then why would you not go back and help the people who have been impacted by this law and fix it? To me, that's the obvious next step. So it's it's shocking to not shocking to me, but it's interesting to me, I should say, that very few states have done what he's doing and should be doing. And hopefully that I mean, with this B to B plus grade that we're giving it, hopefully we see other people doing that because Wolf is is done. His term is done. He can't run for re-election in 2023. And the next governor who comes in might change it. What is promising, though, is that the lieutenant governor also stood up with him and bringing this about. And he's running for U.S. senator against like the Dr. Oz Dr. and whoever else. Oz, Somebody else is Trump back. Oz the Great and embarrassing. Um, so well, look, and hopefully this guy has influence on the you know, Senate in other, in other ways and government in other ways. So in this situation... It reminds me of something that America is really allergic to. America's bad at a lot of things, right? You know, we talk about the things that America's bad at. Good at some things. Good at droning. You know, make a good hamburger. Mm. Mm. That's tasty. You know what I mean? It's a tasty hamburger. You know, good at football. Good at basketball. Good at some things. I'm like, let's not get down. Come on, man. Let's not get sure, down. They get some things. They, get, right. they do. They're good at some things. You know what I mean? Good at like good surfers. All kinds of different stuff. Nate, you know what? Donnie, jump in. Name some things that America. We never do this. Name some things that America's good at. Hunting gonna, guns. Good, good God, at guns. Okay, maybe not the <laughs> way. <laughs> that, okay, I meant guns. I meant I meant po- I meant, see, I meant positive <laughs> stuff. Wait a minute, see you guys Listen, are taking it in a different way. See, wait, wait, see, see, not look like I, I meant positive things, but okay, you got the yeah, we're good at guns. Um, things that we're bad at. One thing that we're bad at is restorative justice. Like we're bad at that. We're bad at restorative justice. Sure, sure, you know, sure. I, some would say we're bad at justice, period, period, but restorative justice, we're super bad at. So in order to really address uh, the disparities in, uh, the, in, in marijuana law and drug law, period, going back, America would really have to be laser focused in what they could do to restore some of the communities that have been disproportionately affected by some of these things. And with the big billion dollar business that weed is becoming right now, there are very easy ways to do that. There are very easy ways to do that, to incentivize certain segments of the population that were preyed upon by these laws in the past. But people are dragging their feet to do that, right? You know what I mean? It's right. it, So, um, but to your point, that's maybe why we don't see that. But hopefully steps like this in Pennsylvania, uh, the baby steps will lead to great giant leaps. We'll see. All right. The face of America welfare fraud has always been some black mother with 17 children who's having babies for just a check for the government. Reagan started this back in the day, maybe a little bit before Reagan. The welfare queen trope was something that was used to show just how lazy, shiftless, and conniving 
the working class poor could be when it comes to living off the government. But you know what we didn't know, Rachel? You know who what? the face of welfare fraud? You know who the biggest welfare queen in America might be? Brett Favre. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my God. Brett Favre, the man who showed his penis years ago. Um, he's been questioned by the FBI over Mississippi welfare money. Lawyer says, Brett Favre's lawyer, Bud Holmes. God damn. Bud Holmes? What? Move <laughs> <laughs> past the name. Bud Holmes, man. That's a lynching ass name. That's a lynching ass name. We gotta go around that nigger up. Who's going? Me, Skip, Bud Holmes. Like that's a lynching ass name. I was like, that's a Bud Holmes. Says his client was questioned by the FBI in Mississippi uh, in a welfare fraud case uh, that has followed him for more than two years, according to Ken. Delanian and Laura Stricker of NBC News. Here's the situation for you guys that might not know. Of course, you guys know who Brett Favre is, uh, NFL great. Um, uh, one of the greatest, if not erratic, quarterbacks in the history of the league and one of the proudest sons of Mississippi. You ever been to Mississippi before? I've driven through it, yes. Have you ever talked to like a Mississippi football fan about Brett Favre? No. They fucking love this guy. Yeah. Hometown hero. Hometown hero. Uh, Phil Bryant is accused of play- paying Favre, former governor. Phil Bryant is accused of paying Favre $1.1 million in 2017 and 2018 to make motivational speeches, appear at promotional events, and appear on the radio. The state was giving $70 million from the federal government through the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families Program, which is designed to provide financial assistance to those in need. An auditor said in March 2020, that the money went to the Mississippi Community Education Center and Family Resource Center of North of, of North Mississippi. Instead, it went to people who did not need the money. Okay. Uh, it was supposed to go to those places, should I say? It went to people who didn't need the money, including Favre, who made tens of millions of dollars during his NFL career. The money was also spread out to former WWE star Ted DiBiase Jr. Who's ordered to pay, repay the three million dollars, three point nine million dollars he allegedly received for serving as a motivational speaker? Um, also, former football star Marcus Dupree. Damn, they came in Marcus Dupree and fitness trader Paul Lacoste. Dupree and Lacoste were allegedly paid a combined six hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Another five million went to building a volleyball facility on the campus of Southern Miss. Okay, your thoughts. Mississippi. Mississippi. Did I say that weird? Mississippi has the highest poverty rate of any state in the country. Also, it's been shown that they reject more than 90% of poor Mississippians who apply for TANF assistance. Mississippi has some work to do. Mississippi 
is extremely corrupt. And we, if you listen to this podcast, you know we talked about it last, the very last episode we had about what's happening with the water system and how this is something that's been going on for years. They get $70 million to go towards this and they're rejecting 90% of the people who apply for it and using the money to build stadiums and pay off uh, or pay other rich people for speaking engagements or whatever. Lock everybody up. Lock them all up. The fact that the fact that Phil Bryan hasn't even been charged yet. Thank you to the U.S. Congressman Benny Thompson. Mm-hmm. Benny. Is that his name? Benny T. Who is calling BT. before? Phil Bryant and others to be investigated, who wrote a letter to the Attorney General Merrick Garland and requested them to investigate and to look into this. The state is so corrupt. There's so many things that are going on and they're continuing to be exposed. You got to lock these people up and punish them. The fact that they have that nothing has happened to Phil Bryant at the moment is ridiculous. This man is claiming that he didn't know how these funds were used. Clearly, he had a hand in it. Clearly, he had a hand in it. And I can't say the same for those people who were paid through this. I don't know if they knew where the money was coming from. I don't know. But Phil Bryant did. Yeah, I mean, look, the people taking the money is one thing. I'm not sure. I don't know the ins and outs of that. I'm not sure how much uh, how much culpability they have. You know, say, hey, you want to pay me for something? Do you ask where the money's coming from? You know what I mean? So so no, I'm not sure. No. I'm, I'm not sure how much. But I will say this. I will say this. This is indicative of this is indicative of how people are victimized by the dysfunction in American systems. Okay. Um, and it's really funny because the families that were supposed to get that money are routinely vilified. They're routinely vilified by politicians and by talking heads who say that they don't want to work who say that they don't mm-hmm. want to get out there and be a part of the American economy, that they have nothing to offer. Sure. Uh, the lie, the trope that I, I used uh, about the welfare mother earlier, that's like something that's used to plant an American in a pernicious light, like a dangerous light. Like mm-hmm. it's like this person is an economic danger to America. Whereas right. the the system that allows people to continue to get rich um, to continue to sort of, in, 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 let me put it like this: none of this shit is an accident, right? Not at all. Like none of it's an accident. Like Mississippi has problems. At some point, somebody recognized that Mississippi has problems. When you're talking about a state uh, that deals with as much poverty, then there's a let's let's help out. And then somebody at the top of that is grabbing that money and putting it into the pockets of people who they love and revere for whatever reason. Like in America, it's very important to remember people care about the things that they, people pay for the things that they care about. It's the way it is. People pay for the things that they care about. When they say that we can't spare this money or give this money to low and middle income people, they're saying we don't really give a fuck about them. Those aren't the people that we care about, right? Well, what do you care about? Well, we care about a trillion dollars for the military. We care about this. We care about that, right? And so when America has always, always decided their priorities with their checkbooks always always that's why reparations isn't going to happen because america doesn't give a fuck about whether or not you niggas have ramen noodles or not they just don't fucking care um 
And you look at a story like this, and it, like you said, it informs you directly on how it is that black sludge can be coming out of the water pipes in Jackson. You think that's impossible for people not to have clean drinking water. And then you look and you see that the money that is specifically allotted for poor people goes to people who are luminaries in Mississippi culture and to the volleyball team at Southern Miss. The Southern Miss Golden Eagles volleyball team. By the way, I'm going to be honest with you. If it was the football team... I can understand it. Okay. Damn. But the fact that it went to the volleyball team is just fucking disrespectful. Nobody's even what going to those Favre's games. Connections, what, are, what is Brett Favre's connection to the volleyball? Because apparently he was influential in wanting to get this money to this team or for the stadium. Oh, Brett Favre was, he he was, wait, he wanted, he wanted the money to go to volleyball? Allegedly, allegedly he was influential in the stadium being built. His daughter plays volleyball. Yo, man, wait a minute. We got to get Brett Favre out of here. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. I told you. Wait a minute. Brayley. I was thinking about that. Why would they give the money to the volleyball team? Oh. Apparently, he was in Phil Bryant's ear about the need to get this stadium built, which is why his name, which is why his name is coming up more. Oh, my God. This is so name. good. His daughter's on the volleyball team. Donna, you didn't have that in the notes. Mongoose. I'm, I, t- <laughs> I told you that he was in the ear. Now, I don't know about the daughter. I figured that there was some type of connection because why else would he want to be involved? But that's why he's under investigation. That's why his name keeps coming up. He was in Phil's ear about the need to get this stadium built. Now, does did he know where Phil was pulling the money from? No, but it goes against Phil's argument talking about he didn't know where this money was coming from. Why was it so important for you to get the stadium built to please the hometown hero? So she, he paid Favre the $1.1 million in 2017 to 2018, okay? Braley Favre got to Southern Miss in 2017. She was actually a dog in volleyball. She's six foot two. Um. <clears throat> and uh, she was all state first team in 2016, made the second team in 2014. She, so, so there's another layer to this. Mm-hmm. So this is the other layer. Typically, if you're one of these people, let me tell you how slick Brett Favre is. And by the way, this now changes, this now changes my assessment about whether or not he knew. Because I'm wondering why he thinks that the state would pay $5 million for a volleyball facility if he didn't know where that money was coming from. If he didn't know that this was money that they could be spending, why would he have the gumption to ask the state for a $5 million donation for a volleyball facility? Him being, him be, So listen, him being paid as a personal speaker is one thing. That could come from anything. But specifically $5 million coming from the state to that's like that's six million bucks we're talking about now. That's a lot more money that you it seems as if you you know whether or not there was a slush fund of some kind that this money was coming from. You really think Brett Favre was thinking about that? And I'm and I and I don't like Brett Favre. I'm just gonna be I like that. This the man is not for me. But Wrangler jeans. But to say to to say that like 
obviously he was in this this governor former governor's ear trying to get him to fund a place for his daughter to play where they could have better recruitment better facilities where they could be you know as successful as they can when it comes to volleyball however to say that he knew where the money was coming from is too much of a leap for me mm. you don't ask I mean, I said one million dollars is a lot because, but you're you're, it's you're getting, state school, but you're getting paid for motor. But I, I I know, but like by this point, you've you've taken in six million dollars from them. I understand your point, and by the way, I could totally be wrong, but just this, the to people do this all the time, right? Like mm-hmm. they they have kids that go to schools and they donate huge sums of money to the school so they could either be the man. They could either curry favor with someone to make sure their their kid plays, or they want to put their name on some sort of building. People do that all that that kind of stuff all the time. If you're a, a well-to-do alumni, like when you have three hundred million dollars, Texas is gonna want Texas is gonna hit you up and be like, "Yo, we want to build the Rachel Lindsay Undergrad School for Black Girl Magic," and then you <laughs> and then you're gonna have to decide whether or not you wanna you wanna donate money to the Rachel Lindsay undergrad school for black girl magic. It's gonna be people going to the Rachel Lindsay undergrad school of black girl magic, getting degrees in black girl magic. And you like you know they're gonna they gonna want you to pay 10 million for that. They gonna that's what they're gonna want. Okay. In this one, Brett Favre was able to to finagle this by making the fucking state pay for it. Making the state make his donation for him. Yeah, he did. It seems that there's a level of intimacy in this that I wouldn't be surprised if Brett Favre knew that something fucking fishy was going on. Now, Brett Favre has paid back most of the money from the 1.1. Okay. Apparently, he still owes like $230,000 or something like that. The question is, will he have to pay money for this? Because stadium's done, right? Or is it not? I don't know. Have they started construction? Have it done, Donnie? Mongo? Oh, my yeah. God. Oh. Oh my God! It's done. Do you want to know where Brayley Favre goes to school now? Where, Jackson State? <laughs> no. Where? She goes to LSU. LSU. <laughs> she is now on the LSU beach volleyball team. Graduate transfer. First of all, Texas wouldn't let her in. Texas wouldn't let her in. How long has she been in? She played she she played indoors 2017-2018. Volleyball. She's been in college for a long ass time, man. Um all right. We'll see what happens. But when white people scam the welfare system, things happen less less quickly. So we're we're, we're not sure. All right. 6 days of misery. FEMA director says it's too early to say when Jackson, Mississippi residents will have clean running water. It's not certain when the OB Curtis plant, the main water plant servicing Jackson, will be fully operational again. All right. Mm. Um, Friday night, Saturday night, plant output was increased to 86 pounds per square inch, close to their goal of 87 PSI. But even when Jackson's boil water advisory is lifted, the state water treatment infrastructure will still be in a fragile state. Uh, this is what the mayor told uh, this week, ABC's This Week on Sunday. 
All right, so does it feel like we should do something a little bit more structured for the people of Jackson in their water crisis? What what could we do? Mongoose, jump on. Rachel, what do you think? I mean, somebody suggested on Reddit that we match donations. We could do that. We could match donations. Could do that. I don't know what. I don't know how. I don't know how we know what where. Oh, we'll. How oh, much no, or, we'll figure it out. We got how like, people have donated. We're we're a fairly big show. We can we can figure it out. We can we can match donations. We can have Spotify get involved. We can compel upon the corporate people that pay us to make sure that the people of Mississippi get paid in clean drinking water. I'm not sure what Reddit is, but um, it <laughs> stop. <laughs> Cause that's a good, that's, that was actually a really good suggestion. I know you want to, you want to talk negatively about them, but when they say something good, let's give them some credit. You don't even care about them. Okay. You, you, you dismissed the Reddit before the Reddit turned on me. I was the biggest advocate of the Reddit. You didn't even care about the Reddit. That's not true. Now they're your biggest fan. That's not true. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's actually not a bad idea. We, um, we have to do something. This is just, this, this isn't break harding. This uh, heartbreaking. Should I say break harding? This is infuriating. Like they has the has the White House said anything? Yeah, they have. Yeah. Okay. Well, like the President Biden declared a state of emergency, and I think that's important that we say something. Um, there is. I see that everyone talks about the money that's sent to the Ukraine, and I said that as well. So I want to make sure that I'm very strategic in my criticism of uh, U.S. policy, the White House, and what it is. I think that it's the optics of sending billions and billions of dollars to the Ukraine while people don't have clean water in America uh, is, of course, putrid. But I took the time a little bit to educate myself on what exactly the differences are, right? And so you have to remember that you're talking about federal money being sent to a country. And then you have you have a couple of different things happening in Mississippi where you have a state that is governing how this money gets like disseminated or spent in their own state. And the the story that we just did before this is an indicator of how sometimes like this isn't specifically an issue of what we should be doing at any flashpoint giving time, right? It's years and 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 years of corruption and dysfunction. So meaning that while it's fucked up that it's easy to send billions of dollars to aid to a foreign country with a pin stroke, like we make this really hard on ourselves and the years of environmental racism that we go through, that, that we've gone through, uh, it's a lot harder to litigate sometimes. So it's a very, it's not wrong to say, Hey, we're sending all of this money to the Ukraine, but the people in Mississippi don't have any drinking water. It, it makes it seems like, seem like our priorities are off. I'm not saying that there aren't, I'm just saying that there are a lot of things that happen before the money that's supposed to get to the people who need it gets there. And we have examples of that. So I don't want to make the, this current administration, I don't want to paint, that I don't want to one-to-one that as much as we've been doing. I understand it and I get it and it's not wrong, but it's not also all the way right. So does it highlight then that something's wrong with 
the system. Sure, of course. That it does that it does take this long for money to trickle down, or should it even be trickling down? It should just be flat out, you know, directed towards the issue. I think it's that's maybe that's what it is, like showing the bigger problem of like there's an issue. People who citizens who live in this country are can't even function, <clears throat> can't even live, can't even do daily basic activities. And there's no clear path to how that's going to be rectified anytime soon. That right. seems to be. The- so I, I've seen a, <clears throat> and how do we fix that? Right. I've seen a <clears throat> meme that says billion dollars here, billion dollars here, billion dollars there that the U.S. is given out. And then to Mississippi, it says boil the water. And that's not like untrue, but how can I put this succinctly and clearly without making it seem like I'm carrying the administration's water? I'm not. I'm saying those two things are slightly different. And what I think the the bigger criticism for me is coming from the fact that um, in a country that can afford to send billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars in, in aid to a foreign country, that you still have people here who who don't have clean drinking water that's indicative of not uh, of priorities and dysfunction like we said before right but i right. i don't think it's i don't think that joe biden and kamala harris don't give a shit about whether or not mississippians have clean drinking water uh i think it it doesn't get lifted to the level of priority you know what no it's i, I don't i'm talking myself in circles here i'm not sure what i'm trying to say is I- yeah I think your best thing is when you said it's not a one-to-one. Yeah, You're not excusing it. Yeah. But just to compare this to this, like it's not billions of dollars is to this as this is to this. I think that's what you're trying yeah, to say. You know, it's a crazy thing. Which makes sense. But it is, though. It is. It, it, it's, it, it's simple. Okay, so you talked yourself. I am. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> it, wait let's, let's, let's stay here for a second. Let's stay here for a second. It is, though. In its simplest definition, it is. But there's just... A little bit more to it because if we knew that last year that mississippi didn't have clean drinking water it seems like that there should have been an alarm raised to someone that could go in there and and hit us off from the point that we're getting right now where the, you know the kids are going to school it's super fucking hot all of that stuff um but uh it, it, it's just it's an issue that we're going to have to kind of deconstruct here so that we have better answers on how something like this can happen. Because I think the question Mm -hmm. that people are asking, and I apologize to the listening audience right now for me being so uh, inarticulate about it. But I think the questions that, that, that people are, um, are asking right now are essentially how in a country this rich could we be living like this? And I think mm-hmm. when you see the mm-hmm. money that's flowing outside of the borders of America, the question becomes even more pronounced because you start to wonder, well, if they can do that, why can't they send the, um, the Army Corps of Engineers down there and spend the next five, six days fixing the water? And, sure. you know, so um, but we, sure. we will we will get to the bottom. We might do a higher learning investigates. Oh, you want to start doing that? I okay. want to do a higher learning investigates on the Mississippi water crisis. Well, we should be talking to somebody boots on the ground who's there, Sure. whether it's a it's a resident, whether it's a politician. You know what I mean? Whether we said that last week, we're, we're really going to do that. We'll start the investigation there. Well, we've reached out to the mayor. We're waiting for the mayor to uh, to uh, to respond to us. But I also want a timeline of the OB Curtis power of the, of the OB Curtis facility. 
and how its disintegration was able to happen because sometimes things like this are death by a thousand paper cuts to where over years and years and years of mismanagement and neglect, you get a situation where things aren't tenable. Um, and I think it's a good blueprint to places like this all over the country that have to get clean water to people. So we want to we want to try to do that. I'm going to look into that. All right, yeah. let's take a break before we get to yeah. entertainment. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was... A kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, Tiffany Haddish has responded. She says that she deeply regrets acting in the sketch called Through a Pedophile's Eyes. Tiffany Haddish posted on her Instagram, says she deeply regrets acting in an old sketch with Aries Spears that has sparked a wave of criticism following a lawsuit from an anonymous woman who accused the comedians of exploiting her and her brother in sexually charged video skits when they were children. This was the, uh, the, the message from Tiffany. I know people have a bunch of questions. I get it. I'm right there with you. Unfortunately, because there is an ongoing legal case, there's very little that I can say right now. But clearly, while this sketch was intended to be comedic, it wasn't funny at all. And I deeply regret having agreed to act in it. I really look forward to being able to share a lot more about this situation as soon as I can. I sent the sketch to you. You did? Yeah, I sent it to you. No, I watched something totally different. Okay, you, Is that not it? You watched the Dan Harmon sketch, I think. Correct. Okay. I didn't see you send us something else. I sent the I sent the sketch to you. Yeah, hold on. So it's it's do you want to watch but it? But here's the thing. I don't want to watch it. And okay. I was going to ask you if you did because when you did send the Dan Harmon one, I was like this should have come with some type of warning. Yeah. I was not prepared for what I did not realize what I was walking into to watch. I was going to ask you did you watch Tiffany Haddish? I did not realize you sent it to me, which means yes you did. I don't want to see it. I it's it's we don't know much from what we knew when we when this news broke in our last podcast. There isn't a whole lot more information. There's just a whole lot of opinions uh, from the public. Tiffany Haddish, as you just read, has commented, but she, as she said, said there's not much that she can say because it's an ongoing legal issue, right. which is true. But she does say that she regrets acting in it. And what I did see a lot of people speak on is well, you had more of a responsibility than just acting in it. 
like you were either, I don't know if she was friends connected with the, the minors involved or the, the mother of the minors involved. She wrote this, directed it in some other way, more than just appearing in it. So people were disappointed that she didn't take more responsibility. Um, Pat, like then she just gave in that statement. I, again, I, you, I didn't see it. Okay. And I'm purposely not watching it. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, let me make clear. I'm not, not watching it because I'm, you know, choosing a side. I just don't want to see it. Right. I, th- I just find it ext- extremely disturbing. And I, I accidentally watched the Dan Harmon one and that was too much for me. So on examination of the sketch, I realized something. I had already seen it. So there was a, so let me paint the time for you guys. I'd say, especially out here in Los Angeles, there was a boom towards the late part of last decade to the early part of, excuse me, the late part of the 2000s to the early part of the tens of a self-produced content. There was a self-produced content boom. Yes. Yes. YouTube explodes Mm -hmm. and you see all of these different web series and all of these different self-produced sketches that are coming out, right? And people are uploading them in different places. Dan Harmon himself, who is the, uh, uh, the, the creator of Rick and Morty, um, Dan Harmon had this thing in LA called Channel 101, which was uh, a running web series competition show that they took that took place at Cinespace. You would submit uh, um, a, a sketch, and then the audience would vote on whether or not they wanted another episode. So they give you a series order almost every single week. It was a fun time, and there was only a matter of time before comedians and people around started doing this for themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. Kevin Hart had several different (laughs) online YouTube personas. He would do the chocolate dropper thing. He would rap. He would do all kinds of different stuff and they would produce these things. Aries Spears started doing this as well. I remember specifically Aries Spears doing it because he produced two sketches that I remember people really being disgusted by. One was Mm -hmm. this sketch where he was like a, 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 um, like some kind of rapper. And okay. he was rapping and he was in a thong in the video and it was like all kinds of, it was just weird. It wasn't funny at all. Mm-hmm. And then there was mm-hmm. this one. And I remember specifically being on the message board where somebody put this on the message board and said, no, Aries Spears is super duper sick. Like this isn't funny. Nobody thought it was funny then is my point. I remember watching it. Nobody's, I hadn't thought about it in years because this must have been like 2010, maybe a Mm -hmm. little bit after that, something like that. But nobody thought it was funny then, which is why he ended up removing it and taking it off Funny or Die. Everybody was uploading stuff to Funny or Die. There's an old, uh, we made it. You never saw me with Batman? You never saw that sketch before? You never seen that before? I looked, we talked about it before right. and I looked it up. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so everybody was doing this at the time. And a lot of those things from that era were really fucked up because people were like, people were doing stuff. So I didn't realize that I had seen it before. Seeing it now, it's even worse than I remember it then. 
And everybody mm-hmm. got on their ass then. The only thing that we didn't know was who Tiffany Haddish was. You know what I mean? So we didn't know yeah. because she's only in the beginning of it, then she leaves. And so nobody even knew like who she was. And the focus of this being ended up being on Aerie Spears, right? Because Aerie Spears at the time, number one, it was his sketch for his website, but at the time it ended up being on Aries because he was the person that everybody knew. From what I'm to understand about this situation is that uh there's been some contact between the the mother in this situation and Aries Spears over the years. And maybe, um, you know, I don't even want to get into that. What I want to get into is, obviously, this looks bad. The mm-hmm. question is, if you're Aries or Tiffany, what do you do? Like if you're Aries or Tiffany, that there is no way to defend the sketch itself. You know, I don't. Right. I, I'm not. I don't want to talk about any of the other stuff that I know about this situation. But but there is no way to defend the sketch itself. The question is the question is what do you do? Like what do you do now? Is an apology enough here? Is uh is some sort of Mia culpa in a different way. I really don't know because obviously that sketch is wrong. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Can you hear that barking? No. Obviously, obviously that sketch is wrong. So what do you do? It's hard to say. It's hard to say what you should do because it sounds like you know more details than than the rest of us do. Well, the the, the details and, I know and, won't change the fact that the sketch was made and people were in the sketch. So the so the so the details that I know, okay. whether well, or not okay. whether or not it like it was something that would change your opinion. No, it wouldn't change your opinion. It's just that it it, it I don't want to I don't want to give any details that I might know that might. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter because it the 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 reality of it is that the sketch was still produced and made, and they were still in it. So the question is, at, for for Rachel Lindsay or Donnie Beecham to not have their opinion changed about Tiff, like what would have to happen? Hmm. Well, I would want to hear more from her than. The apology. I think what a lot of people want to understand is why did this happen? Why would you even want to do it? What were you thinking? What was the motivation behind it that you were thinking? What was your relationship with this mother that this mother signed off on allowing her children to be a part of it? What was the agreement? What was the discussion? Did she know? Did she see it? Like I need that. I want to hear from the people that were actually involved. Take me back to this time period of how this all played out, how this was, you know, agreed upon, it was recorded, and then it was up. Like, I want to, that's what I think people want to understand. Does it open them up for more criticism? Does it maybe allow people to say, oh, I understand where you were coming from? I don't know, but I think that's what people are looking for more than an apology. Because a lot of times what happens, because we know on this podcast, I'm always criticized. I'm always criticized for how I, um, respond to people's apologies. But I think what it, no, but I think what it is, and I think this is the human nature is 
when somebody apologizes after they're found out about something, it causes people to question that apology. It's just human nature. I'm not saying that that's right or that's wrong, but rather than being proactive with it and reactive is why you get such a strong reaction from people and their apologies to why, whether they wonder if there's, if there's sincerity behind it or not. And I think that's what people are also questioning when it comes to Tiffany. I understand legally that she can't respond. And she shouldn't respond because it is an ongoing case. And anything that she says could be used against her. Not saying I'm defending her. That's just how it it goes down. But for her to speak out, and this is the response, it's natural that people are going to want more from her. Yeah. You can only apologize after you're found out, though, right? Like, you think that Tiff should have, like, you think, I mean, mean, just for anyone. You can apologize before you're found out. Like, you can apologize before. Can you, can you give me an example, a good example? I'm just asking, a good example of somebody who's apologized before they got in trouble. No, I'm not saying that they have. You said they. you can. No, you can do it. It's just, when I say you can't, I mean, it's like, who apologizes before they're in trouble? You know what I mean? It's like, so it's just, it would be so funny. That's hilarious. Okay. Wait, wait, okay. wait. wait, wait, wait. Or like this. Right. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> or like this. Obviously, this woman had contacted Tiffany and her team before it became public knowledge. I, not only has she contacted them, she, to, if, from what I understand, she had, she's been paid some money in the past, and that she made by who? Look, you can't say for okay. look, like so so, and and she continued to make demands like take me out on the road, like do this or do that, and if you don't do this, I'm gonna do that. And, and, so I, and, I, and I don't and I don't want to say that in any way to make I don't want to hold on real, real quick. I want to make sure that this gets out. I do not want to say that in any way, in any way to take away from how in poor taste the video itself it was and how really, to be honest with you, disgusting the video itself was. But the the other part of that is just true. Like the other the 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 other part of that 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 from what I understand, there's been an ongoing attempt, attempt to leverage the video for mm-hmm. because this there's a person involved here who's a comic. There's a person involved here who is a uh, who is a uh, who who seeks a who seeks a career. So there's been an ongoing attempt to leverage the video into getting things out of people, especially after certain rises in fame and popularity that people might have had. So uh-huh. that's that doesn't take anything away from the fact that the video itself is not just disgusting. It's scary. But that's huh. a thing. You know what I mean? So I guess my point is about apologizing before i mean before it became public knowledge so the moment that there there could have been a world where you're you you did whatever whatever whether there was money you know some type of exchange or whatever to to keep this under wraps this person is continuously saying no i want more 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 and you just say you know what i'm gonna come out and be like let me tell you what happened this happened i feel you there's this person doing this, or maybe you don't even say there's this person. I did this. I I want to admit I'm you know I'm wrong. This was wrong. This is I what like that kind of thing. And by the Get way, ahead of it. And I thought of somebody who did that. By the way, when you just said that, David Letterman did that. 
on his show. When? He was on on his show one time. That I think there was somebody who had worked with David Letterman who was uh who was um who was trying to extort him or was gonna sue him or something like that. David Letterman went on the show and was like, uh, I have had sex with people who work at this show before. And he went on this whole little thing talking about it. I guess so, yeah, to your point. Score one for big rates. Because we keep a score now. You know what? Okay. Hashtag pre-apology. We need to do more <laughs> of that, bro. Seriously, man. A, a good pre- But here's the thing, Rach. Rach, you're, you're the mistress of apology. That's your name. Big Rach, <laughs> a.k.a. the mistress of apology. If someone gives a okay. pre-apology, Rach, you have to give them extra points for it. Cause you, you have to, okay. you got ahead of it. So you, you, you didn't wait to see what would happen while the public would respond. You just said, I did this. Right. So what if they, what, what if what they're pre apologizing for is really bad? Do they still get credit for a pre apology? <laughs> you get plus one for coming out ahead of it, but you're going to get like minus 10 for whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever the issue did. is. Oh, Okay. We got two more big doozy topics in entertainment. And the first one, I don't want to talk about She-Hulk twerking. And I certainly don't want to talk about <laughs> I certainly don't want to talk about Ye, right? I don't want to talk about She-Hulk, She-Hulk twerking. Cause Wait, are those is that the ones we're gonna talk about both of them? Nope. We're not talking about okay, either great. one of them, right? Okay, you just wanted to mention it. Um, I just wanted okay. to mention, I wanted to let people know that I've seen the discourse about She-Hulk twerking. And by the way, I had screeners of She-Hulk and watched the first four episodes, a show that I am desperately in love with. I love She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. But the moment I saw She-Hulk twerk, I'm like, oh, they're going to lose their fucking minds. I knew it. That right there is an incel playground. You mean to tell me incels <laughs> don't just have to worry about women that they can't get in reality shaking their ass. Now you have to CGI a woman who they can't get shaking her ass. Oh, that's like a, that's like an incel. Their, their penis is probably curled up inside their bodies. You know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? When, they probably all got innies right away. That's what happens to an incel when they get sexually innies. turned on. The penis doesn't get hard and protrude out. The, the penis goes inside of the incel's body. <laughs> incels actually, hold on. Incels actually fuck themselves when they get mad. The penis goes inside of their body. And the pain makes them get <laughs> on to the internet and type out mean things. Because the reality is... She-Hulk would never fuck any of the people who are mad that She-Hulk is twerking. So, whatever. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Whatever. Um, Does she look like that through the whole series? Or does she revert back to human form? She reverts back to human form sometimes. Okay. But she's she's She-Hulk. She's She-Hulk. Attorney of Law. I love the show. Love it. I I know. But the Hulk goes back and forth. I don't know. I never watched the show. But in the clip that I saw, you know, she's full Hulk. Yeah, she's full Hulk. And so I didn't know. All right. But this is the story that really brings a smile to my my face. Uh... (laughs) Larsa Pippen spotted dining with Michael Jordan's son in Miami. Marcus Jordan, 
the son of basketball legend Michael Jordan was seen dining with Scottie Pippen's ex-wife, Larsa Pippen, on Sunday. Photos from TMZ show. It's the first time the alleged couple was seen together. The Pippins divorced in 2021 after 14 years of marriage. The age gap age gap between the pair is 17 years. Jordan is 31. Larsa Pippen is a popping 48 years of age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This what? is astounding. I did not think this is the story that was going to get you so excited. Oh, my God. Oh my God! I can't. This, I'm. 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 I'm a messy bitch. Is the problem? Which? That's the problem. Who do you think initiated this? Don't matter. Larsa. Okay. Don't matter. Doesn't matter. Don't matter. Don't matter. Don't matter. Don't matter. Doesn't matter at all. So I'm assuming the age doesn't bother you. Nope. It's the Jordan versus Pippen. It's the it's the fact there's two things that bother me. Number one, the Jordan versus Pippen aspect, I couldn't give a fuck less about. The thing that bothers me is she 100% 100% met this person as a child. Boom. 100% met this person as a child. We did a story a couple of days a, a couple of weeks ago about a guy that met a woman as a child remember and was and now they got married blah 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 everybody's like ooh googly moogly it turns out that that I said I didn't have a problem with that true fact you did it turns out that that was an accident this she there is no possible way that Larsa Pippen has never met Marcus Jordan as a kid they Okay. What year, Donnie? Give me some research. What year did Larsa Pippen and Scottie Pippen uh, get together? What What year? Give me some research, they Donnie. Def- they definitely have ninety-seven years, Amir. Ninety-seven. What year was Marcus Jordan born? Well, he's thirty-one. So he's born in in, in in ninety. Seven, eight years old. She probably met him. Bulls won a championship in 98. They was all at the championship parade together. You meet somebody when they're eight, you can't fuck them. That's the rule. I'm sorry. You, okay, meet some, so you, meet some, you meet somebody when they're eight. If this is in fact a date, this might just be, nah, it looked like a date to me. And you, that's, that's, but that's my thing. No, it didn't look like a date. They walked, they were walking in together and they were sitting down. Not, like people are jumping to the conclusion to the conclusion that it was a date. There was no hand holding, there was no canoodling, no kissing, no like hugging, nothing. Right. They were just at a restaurant in public, not even just the two of them, with other people. So one, we're jumping to conclusions that they are. Yeah. Yeah. But let's just say that they are. Give me the are just, you telling just me get to the shit. you meet yeah. that's underage. Here go the what? rules. Because he's 31, mind you. It's not like she got him fresh when he was 17 or 18, waited for him to be legal. He's 31. He's 31. If you if this if this was 17, 18, I could totally see it. Because the moment this person turned legal, that means it like it it seems predatory in nature because you were waiting for them. Just you've been watching them and waiting. He's 31. If you meet somebody when they're eight, 
No, you can't this, fuck them. This is so far removed. If you meet, if you if 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 you meet somebody, no. if you if you ever said, if you ever opened a coke can for somebody because they were a kid and couldn't do it for themselves, if you ever gave them money to go to a vending machine, right? You know what I mean? If you ever looked at someone and went, "Where's your mother?" No, if you so ever, if you ever, any of those things, you can't fuck them. No, you you can't fuck them. This goes back to the imprinting thing, and I be and I and I, <laughs> it, 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 it goes back. This goes back to the imprinting thing, which was wrong then. By the way, Kalika broke down to me in detail the whole Renesme. I'm sorry for pronouncing her name wrong. By the way, guys, her name is Renesme. People are very upset about people, that. People, people like like Kalika broke down to me in detail the fact that. Renesme was an abomination, half human, half van. All of that. I don't give a fuck about none of that. You can't imprint on kids. Larsa Pippen imprinted on Marcus yeah. Jordan. Then, then why did it take so long for it to come together? Because if she imprinted, it would have happened at 18. She imprinted on Marcus Jordan. If in fact they dating, it's creeping to me. I'm it sorry. Happened 13 years ago. It don't matter to me. You can't if you met somebody when they're eight years old. You can't fuck them later on. You can never fuck them. Okay. I just, Agreed. I'm sorry. Put up it's, a poll. Put up I'm going to lose the poll because I'm very sex positive and you can fuck anyone who you want. And I'm very I'm passionate about this, but not if you met them when they were eight. It's weird. No. Only if you wait till they turn legal. That's my only issue. Donnie, You're I want. Watching them and waiting for it to happen. Donnie, I want a paw with the, with the Ghostbusters thing around it. <laughs> No imprint. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I, I want, I want, Donnie. Donnie please don't waste your Donnie, time, Donnie. I know you Donnie, have please. Not, not I, want, easy. I want a paw with the ghost, but no imprinting. No imprinting on these kids, man. No, I, I'm against imprinting. How about that? She imprinted them. And by the way, this is so crazy. Think about the beef that's happening right now between Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan is on some fucking, um, uh, uh, what's the Succession family name again? What's their name? What's the family from Succession? Oh gosh, ah, uh, Kendall Roy, the Roys. I wouldn't. Thank I wouldn't you. be surprised <laughs> if I wouldn't be surprised if he's on some Logan Roy shit, and Jordan sent his kid to go fuck Scottie Pippen's ex-wife on purpose. It's like, there's one thing you can do to get the fortune, son. We have to show Scottie Pippen that the Jordans <laughs> run this whole thing. Go fuck his wife. It's weird. And I gotta be honest with you, man. I'm not taking anything away. Larsa Pippen, that's... Come on, man. Can we... We can't do it like this, right? That's, you can't... That's a little too close. You can't do that, right? Am I tripping? I'm sorry if I'm tripping. I could be tripping. It, 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 it's close, but it's not the age thing that's the closeness of it. It's the rift between the two of them. It's messy. It's messy for sure. If they are really dating, it's messy. She imprinted the fact on that him. They went to, Twilight the fact style. that they went to lunch and it got photographed, happened to be photographed by TMC, it's messy. The whole thing is a setup and it's messy. Can I be honest with you? If they're not dating, it would be incumbent upon them to come out and go ahead and let us off the hook for this. Because this is not the type of mess that not I can deal it, with on a labor not day. If the, not if the intention was to be messy, True. which it well, it clearly was for it to be caught on camera. <sighs> Who's paying attention to that? I don't know. Um, In Miami, on Labor Day weekend. <laughs> damn, man. 
imprinting. Donnie, uh, uh, Paul, with a Ghostbuster sign through it. No imprinting. Use <laughs> no imprinting. Like, Can, is there a way for you to use Van's hand? Yeah, use my hand, a paw, okay. no imprinting. <laughs> like, she looking at him, God damn, you didn't got big, Marcus. No, uh-uh, no. That's weird. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. This is from the. This is coming from the guy who talked about his mom's sexuality. Oh, we even I have her. the. Even I have some limits. Love you, mom. That's your limit. Okay. Yeah, imprinting on children. I, I remember. It's, it, 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 He's not. Child. <laughs> he was a child then. She imprinted. No imprinting. Shout out, you know, anyway. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S, I-A-N dot com Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Damn, man. I got to do some family on family violence. I didn't even tell. I didn't even tell OG about this. We both love Aronde Garrett, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's somebody in the OG. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I just realized where this is going. There's somebody in the OG family. <laughs> So are you in business with Arunde? We have to say this. I'm not. You're not. Okay. I am. My manager is Arunde Garrett. Great man. He's done things with Rachel before, I think, right? Kind of. Okay. He manages a lot of different people. One of the people that he manages is Idris Elba. I have to say this (laughs) because it's pertinent to the story. Idris Elba had a movie come out called The Beast and it was about him versus a lion. <laughs> <laughs> it was him versus a lion. Now, it wasn't mountain lion, so... Music. Play the... <laughs> come on, give it Play to me, Play <laughs> The Beast. The Beast is the name of the movie. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. Love Idris Elba. Um, he was on Uninterrupted. And he was on Uninterrupted and he got candid about what happens when British actors play black Americans. Okay. Naomi Aki was recently cast to pay to play uh, Whitney Houston in the upcoming biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody. They always name the biopics after a song. You know what I mean? It's like, do something else now. 
dude like how many times does that happen a lot oh rocket man rock rock walk like walk the line all eyes on me they, <laughs> all, they, they always they, they always name it after okay true 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 like, point made point ray point was made. the only one that went in let's just call it ray <laughs> <laughs> so they do it all the time. Oh, you got the right one, baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that would be you got the right one, baby. If the name of the movie was You Got the Right One Baby, <laughs> like <laughs> Jamie would have never won his Oscar. Do you remember they had like, <laughs> never, never, never won the <laughs> Jamie Foxx for You Got the Right One Baby. <laughs> dot dot dot. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you remember the whole era of You Got the Right One Baby? They did like loved 14 it. different you I loved For those for you guys questions. who don't know, Ray Charles had a Diet Pepsi uh campaign where he was singing this song, You Got the Right One Baby. Uh-huh, and it was the uh-huh girls and they would sing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You got the right. It's the Jimmy Bananas. Hey. And they did. You got the right one, baby. Then they did. You got the right one. You got the right one, baby. The remix. They did other celebrities doing You Got the Right One, Baby, and then Ray Charles would be in the corner going, ha, ha, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? And then, like, that's how he looked. Then they got, they had a long version of You Got the Right One, Baby, You Got the Right One, Baby, all it's over the world. Video. Yeah. Um. So, anyway. Uh, but I loved it. That was, uh, unfortunately, that was, like, my introduction to Ray Charles. I didn't really know much about him until You oh. Got the Right One, Baby. No, the Cosby the episode. Cosby episodes, yeah, it's actually probably that so. was my introduction. Right. Anyway, um, so we'll do a whole breakdown on "You Got the Right One, Baby" like, <laughs> on the podcast. I loved it. No, so I loved much. it so much. Donnie, play a little bit of. Well, take us out with "You Got the Right One, Baby." Uh huh. Um. So Idris Elba talked about the fact that you know the criticism coming from Black Americans, people all over the diaspora, about Black Brits playing. <laughs> American roles is quote unintelligent. <clears throat> Donnie, run the audio. Have you followed this story? And I want to ask you about this with actors who are black and the whole idea of English black actors taking American roles. Have you, it's, I was in a bar. I was at a Chiltern having a drink. And next to me, the actor who's playing Whitney Houston. She's English. And I said, I hope you know, black women in America are going to be like. English woman playing, you're playing one of the most iconic African-American women ever. And it's a thing. What's your, what do you feel about that? Even the way you framed it up, though, taking American roles, right? Yeah. It's crazy that it's we crazy that, that it's, right? like, it's But like, you know what I noticed? You, hmm. you said you said a black woman in America versus an English woman. Like, being English makes you less black. Exactly. That's, that's the issue. Like, hmm. that's the issue. to me, that defines how unintelligent the whole argument is no disrespect to anyone of course. that has that feelings it is what it is but the fact is we're all black like let's just be you know you get a scottish actor playing an irish character or an english actor you don't hear about the debate but amongst ourselves we want to point fingers because we come from a, a conditioning that makes people just make sure where are you from and are you authentic from where you're from. Yeah, so how black are you? Just how crazy. black are you? You know, and it comes down to the caste system. And it's annoying to me, really annoying. My grandfather fought the Second World War for this country, US. Comes from Kansas City. 
I come to this country and someone's saying to me, you ain't American. I'm like, huh? How dare you? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But the truth is, you know, what am I going to bring that out as some sort of like I think, argument? Yeah. Well, the idea, it's a character. It, it, I mean, it's for anybody. It's really, acting. Can, it's acting. How it's do acting. you feel Cultural about appropriation, that? though, is yeah. definitely something that we should pay attention to. Attention sure. to. But in the acting profession, one should be allowed to play. <laughs> I'm probably never going to go against Idris. I'm just not. <laughs> I think that points were made. And I think that there was a use of certain words that I think throw off the argument or the point that he was trying to make. But I do agree with the whole, it, like, it does seem to be this conversation that we have in, within our own community of not necessarily my black is better than your black, but more of like, this black is reserved for this and this black is reserved for that. And I don't necessarily think that that's fair when I am thinking of black actors that have played certain roles um, English black actors or actresses that have played certain roles like Daniel Kaluuya and Fred Hampton. Uh, I mean, as Fred Hampton in Judas and the Black Messiah. I I don't know that not him being English made the role, like changed change what he did in that role. Like I don't, I, I, so I understand the point. I do, I see the other side of it, but to me, I think that we're making it a bigger deal than it needs to be. I did not have a problem with Cynthia Erivo playing Harriet Tubman. I didn't look at her as, wow, this is this black English actress playing this American black woman. I just guess I just looked at the representation of it. And so to me, I don't think it's that big of a deal. What do you think I think? That it is. Hell yeah. And let me tell you why. So <clears throat> I think that 0% of what he said had merit, if I'm being honest with you. That's a big round okay. nothing burger. Okay. Uh, he's a great guy and a very strong black man. So I can understand where he's coming from. I don't think that people are looking at this as a value judgment when they when they're talking about the difference between someone that's black from the UK and someone that's black from the uh from America. The great thing about the 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 diaspora is that there's one thing that unites us, but culturally like we're there's a culture that unites us, but culturally we're not necessarily the same. The the slang is different, the talk is different. The music is it can be different. The cuisine is different. The things that make up culture, sometimes the very gods, the work, the the worship, the customs, all of those things can be different. Hell, those things can be different throughout the diaspora. The diaspora, those things are different here in America. They're all different, right? Absolutely. You, you know what I mean. So things are different. So, but there's one thing that is the same. One thing that continuously gets, and I'm gonna talk about this from the heart one thing that continuously gets uh reiterated to me is sometimes there's a specific view of black americans it seems as if that black americans 
are looked at, and I want to say this very carefully, but we've seen this before sometimes the way uh, groups that that we share skin color with from all over diaspora look at us. And at times they'll say things and at times we'll say things. And it's not always as copacetic as people want to make it seem. But one thing that is very important to me, and it doesn't really have anything to do so much with acting. It has something to do with identity. To me, it is the birthright of a black American to have played Harriet Tubman. It is the birthright of a black American to have played, uh, to have played Fred Hampton. It is the birthright of a black American to me to play Whitney Houston because the things that are specific to us here and the challenges that we've had to overcome, um, to me, they indicate that our experiences, the performers that are here that are closer to those experiences, that they're able to play them out on screen. Doesn't mean that they have to, But if you ask me this question, it seems as if increasingly when these biopics are coming out, they're choosing people from across the pond to play us. And that's a commentary on black Americans who all too often are seen as the lowest bottom of the barrel, most criticized people that can be in the world. When we've had conversations about whoever it was, we've had people on this very podcast say things about what their life in uh america was like having been having been an immigrant and coming over and the different priorities that they had and the different way that they looked at the world and the different way that people look at the world and how we don't have this and we don't have that we've all talked about that that's all well and good i have no issue with that people feel like either we have a culture problem or that we are squandering american freedom or any of those things right nobody's blacker than anybody else but we certainly are different I'm not looking for a separation, but I'm also don't want somebody (laughs) playing these characters and then or or benefiting from the black American experience and then coming around in the same token and criticizing it. Some of the very people that we're talking about in these roles, when you look back into their old Twitter stuff, they straight up dissing black people, black Americans. Who did that? I don't want to bring it up because it's in the past, but it's it's definitely I don't I, I don't I don't it one thousand percent happened, and I don't want to bring it up. Oh, I'm not yeah, doubting you. I just am not unfamiliar because with I don't want to dredge anything back up. But when that shit starts to happen, it starts. To, I'm not calling for a separation or anything like that. What I'm talking about is the fact that Idris Elba would say, "Well, it's it's acting." Well, it's acting anytime it happens, right? It's acting when, if a white person wants to play a Japanese person, it's act, it's acting if a white person wants to play somebody from North Africa. It's all acting. I get that. But when we're saying, at least for me, when I'm saying that I would like black Americans to be able to play uh, icons in, 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 in black American, uh, in black American life, it is because the experience of those people in the past directly informed to me who we are and what we are today and i think for authenticity (laughs) uh i think also to to be honest with you to do a solid to the black american actor who is not looked at in the same regard as actors from across the pond sometimes 
I think those roles do belong at home. I don't care when they when when they don't. It's not like a big thing. I'm not gonna fucking flip out. But to say this like that the argument is either unintelligent or made not in good faith is asinine. And to me, as much as I love Idris, love him, think he's a great guy, that's minimizing. It's a huge fucking thing. It's a huge thing. And to be honest with you, moving forward, moving forward, no, it's definitely happened in the inverse. Denzel Washington played Steve Biko. Like we've seen, uh, I think Morgan Freeman played Mandela. Like we've seen this in the past. But going forward, <laughs> they're not going to chat with Bozeman played uh, T'Challa, even though that's a fictional character. But going forward, everyone is going to want the right to represent the place that they come from on the screen. And black Americans are no different except for one thing. We have more people that people want to make movies about. That is the only difference. Like in, in it, it's if, if I made a cast right now, black guys, in, English guys, they were all black. Somebody's going to be, it, it happens, right? But if it was of somebody really of, of real import, Right. Like people are going to want like right now, if they made a Bob Marley movie, if if they made a Bob Marley movie right now and it was Nick Cannon as Bob Marley, people are going to be like, we can't find a Jamaican or somebody like that to portray somebody that is so indelible and so like inextricable from our culture. They're going to want that. And there's nothing wrong with wanting that. I know. I agree that there's nothing wrong with wanting that. I understand every single thing that you said. And I understood what, is it Idris or Idris? I always say this wrong. It's Idris. It's Idris. I understand what Idris was trying to say. I said, I think he he used certain words in the wrong way. But I do understand being on the defense that my blackness is reserved for this in some areas and for this, because that's, that's essentially what is being said. And I do think that there's an argument to, like, this isn't a Zoe Saldana playing Nina Simone. That's not what this Why? is. Why? What's me, the difference? You don't see, she doesn't look like her. She's, she has, yeah, she's identifies as black in addition to other things. But Nina Simone was black. I'm not talking about being a black American. She's not even just black. She's but, uh, like, there, there's a total difference. Like, it's not. These are. Because yes, it, it, there there's a difference. Hold on. There's a difference. That's like that's like Zazie playing um, the character. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that um, do you think that Idris Elba would think that there was a difference? Yes, I, could, I would hope I he did. Absolutely. Well, if he doesn't, well, if he doesn't, then I have a problem with that because I think that it's one thing if you're if you're casting someone because they they bring they embody the physique, the the physicality, the the whatever it is, the being of the person that you're playing on um, camera, then I understand that. But to cast somebody who looks nothing like that person and doesn't even have the same, <clears throat> she's she's more than just black. To me, that's totally different. That's totally it, different. It, but, but it's that's me. but it's it's you're arbitrary though because if 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 one distinction doesn't matter, then none of them matter. Right, so if no, that's not true. Zoe Saldana, it's true. it's a black, so that, it's a black woman playing a black. So woman. you're saying a white? No, she's not just a black woman though. Who Zoe Saldana? She identified. She's not just a black woman. It doesn't matter if she's just a black woman. Drake is not just a black man, but he black. 
So so Drake so Drake could have played Fred Hampton. No, I'm not. To me, that would be stupid. But but this is the point that I'm making. <laughs> the point that, the like the the point that I make. I mean, darkening somebody's skin for something is obviously a lot more. I'm not. I'm not. And that's what they had to do I, with I, her. I know, but what I'm what I'm saying is is that in a certain situation, all of these things are arbitrary. The lines that we're drawing them, we're drawing them because of what we feel to be culturally competent. And just as somebody, just as somebody is saying, I think it's culturally incompetent to have to darken somebody's skin, even if they're black, right? Even if they're black, I think it's culturally incompetent to have to darken somebody's skin to play a role, right? The only reason why I care about that is because there's dark skinned women who can play Nina Simone. Why would you get somebody who it's not because Zoe Saldana isn't black, right? There's darker skinned women who can play Nina Simone. So why would you just get a darker skinned woman who can play Nina Simone to play Nina Simone? And number one, Nina Simone, who was so absolutely militant and so mm-hmm. passionate about all of those things, right? Or Fred Hampton, love Daniel, love the performance, don't have any issue with it ate it up was so happy for him when he won but the reality of the situation is in that particular situation there were black american performers who i feel like could have played fred hampton and so to me all of these things have to do with what's culturally competent and what's culturally incompetent and i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with what's going on but i'm saying is there's obviously a conversation that has to be had because the but you're also saying that they shouldn't be playing it moving forward you shouldn't no, what I, I like it, the shouldn't be doesn't really rate to me, like because I, I there's no shouldn't be to me. The reason why there's no shouldn't be to me is because there's only be and not be. Shouldn't doesn't really matter. What I'm saying is that the criticism of it is totally valid. I'm not going to stand in anybody's way making money or giving great performances because the art is the art, right? Now, what you talked about with Nita Simone is a fantastic point, because it's a, but it's just a lot more flagrant. What I'm talking about right now is this argument is nuanced, but it's essentially the same one. And the 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 reality is to say that Black Americans shouldn't safeguard their culture specifically, right? Is is it's it's an interesting point to make when we're assailed by people who come over here sometimes, or when we were talked down to sometimes by that or when we when forget about the sale to talk down to when there's acknowledgments everywhere that there are differences and i i I would want a canadian to play drake in his biopic that's so important to him like the six is so important to him i would want a canadian to play drake in his biopic i would want that like i would want a jamaican to play bob marley you would want that i would want a south african but are you going to think it's wrong if that's not the case? No, but I wouldn't be mad if they thought it was wrong. You see what I'm saying? So like I wouldn't mm-hmm. be so I would I, I, I wouldn't be mad, but I wouldn't be mad if they thought it was wrong. If they were like, "Damn, it would be so dope to have a young kid from Toronto play Drake because he meant so much to this city." You know what I'm saying? It would be so dope like I get, I get you. Yeah, I wouldn't I be mad you. if they thought it was wrong. I get you. I guess I also understand the defensiveness because I think with like a an Idris or even uh, Naomi in this this movie that's coming out. I think that she would say something along the lines of, I grew up on Whitney Houston. I loved Whitney Houston. She meant so much and she was influential in my life. And I think that Whitney could be just as influential in her music, in her 
representation of being a black woman and taking over and being a pop icon in that in that sense that and being just this global superstar and she could and she could say she meant that much to me too even though I wasn't born in the same country that she is I think that's where you get defensive because you're saying well well Whitney didn't it's almost as if you're saying Whitney didn't mean as much to her as she meant to me. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that there's also some latent racism that comes into this entire situation with casting directors, I think that's very interesting. with casting yeah. directors and people like that who still might have the tendency to look at black Brits or, or, or blacks from other places as superior creatively or talent wise to black Americans sometimes. And when they come over here, you know, they get the roles. So it's like, look, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's not, it's not that big of a deal when it happens, but it is a bigger deal to kind of tell us to shut up about it or to say that the criticism itself unintelligent. is unintelligent. It definitely comes it. from a very informed place a tall handsome ass well you know what like you know you, you don't criticize us tall great looking nigga go fight some more lions and do other great things i love you so much you're a great person but i don't <laughs> agree all right uh van's very serious question of the week actually it's a thought war serious question of the week so this is one gotta go voice only voice only one gotta go Beyonce. Whitney Houston. Who else? Mm-hmm. Mariah Carey. Did you hear they're making a Beyonce movie starring Letitia Wright as Beyonce? <laughs> Did you hear about that movie? Letitia Wright as Beyonce. Haven't heard of it. Mm-hmm. Mariah Carey will be played by Lupita Nyong'o in an upcoming movie. <laughs> Uh, and Adele so it's Beyonce Whitney Houston Mariah and Adele one gotta go voice wise just voice just on voice one gotta go just voice just voice just on voice Beyonce crazy crazy do you think Adele sings better than Beyonce I think Adele has a better voice you think so just straight up we just gonna sing sang Adele sings better than Beyonce. Adele's a better voice. Nuts. Adele got to go. I guess the Adele's who, why? Because she's white? Nah, it's not because she's white. Just because she ain't got that. <laughs> she ain't got that thing. She can sing her ass off. Yes, she can. Well, I could tell. I look at Beyonce as an overall. If this, if the category was different and it wasn't voice, I would definitely keep. Beyonce. And I'm not saying Beyonce doesn't have a fantastic voice, but Whitney and Mariah, like, please, we're not even going to touch that. Whitney Houston and Luther Vandross have the best voices I've ever heard. Nobody sings better than them. Like, the debate is obviously in this category between Adele or Beyonce. Beyonce is obviously the overall better artist. With hands down. Hmm. Obviously. Between Adele and Beyonce, if it was about overall artistry to me, like, Beyonce, hands down. Mm-hmm. But we're just talking voice alone. What makes Beyonce great is everything she brings in addition to her Y'all voice. Y'all hate on her. She, like, but no, I'm not. She's an incredible performer. Yeah. Like, like Beyonce can sing her to the fucking ass off. Then say Beyonce can Like, she sing. sings better but, than Adele. She sings no, better than Adele. Nothing, nothing highlights it more than Dreamgirls. 
You like that movie? Sorry. Right. Nothing highlights it more. Jennifer Hudson versus the um, uh, Beyonce. Two different, vo- two different voices. All four of those women two, have different voices. I know, but but I'm talking about. It's not that they're not. It's not highlighting the better vocalist. It's not saying she can't sing. I'd be an idiot. To say that, well, I'm, I, I, I know they're all different voices. But the only reason Sorry. why I said that is because you Green said Girl it's Hunt. everything. Like it's it. everything with Beyonce. Adele has a great voice for someone who's cosplaying as an R and B singer. Like Adele has a great voice. Like she can. She, Adele, she does. Nobody sounds. She's not. She, nobody sounds like that. Adele has a great voice. She's an amazing she's not voice. Cosplaying. She ain't got that thing. Nobody though. sounds like that. She ain't got that thing though. That that thing, different, different type of voice. That thing, like people with, that brings people you with, to that thing. Put Celine Dion is one of the greatest. She ain't got that thing either. Well, once they again, once again, Celine Dion can sing her ass off. To me, that type of singing, I'm never gonna say that Celine Dion sings better than Beyonce ever, ever. To be honest, with you, there are people. Well, there are people who are like Christina Aguilera. It's a different situation. Like Christina Aguilera. So you, put Chris, you put Christina over over Beyonce. Wouldn't I wouldn't. You? But what I'm saying is. Because you're scared of the beehive. I'm not scared, scared of the beehive. I, look, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand this thing about Beyonce's voice. When I hear Beyonce sing, Beyonce is a top flight, A number one howler. She can go. She's a great voice. I'm not denying that. It's not the question of does she have a great voice. It's out of these four women, does she have I just don't, one of the greatest? I don't hear that thing about like Adele is a, gr- a fantastic, amazing. And Christina singer. Aguilera was a great point. That's a, that was a good look, one to bring up. Yeah, it's, I mean, that was a good you, one. You bring, to bring up Christina Aguilera, it starts getting hairy for a lot of these motherfuckers. Okay. Like she just go. I was doing Lady Marmalade. She can go. I'm not fucking around. Adele, not as much to me. I love Adele. I like fire in her ass. Fire! Wait, is Kalika this, in the room still? No, nah, she's gone. Ask Kalika. This, this, this is oh. this is how Adele sounds to me. I got a fire in the rain, and I got not even the best song to choose. Not even the best song to choose. Donnie, Donnie, your opinion. I'm with Ben. Your opinion? Of I'm course. Y'all are scared. Yeah. Y'all are scared. No. Y'all are scared. You're scared. No. Fire, I get it. I get it. I get rain. it. I love that song. I love that song. I love that song. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay, we got to go. All right, everybody, it's Labor Day today. Um, But this is on tomorrow, so I guess that doesn't mean anything. Donnie, take us out with We Got the Right One Baby. Uh huh. So people can remember what Ray Charles gave us in the last moments of his life. Actually, he lived like 10 years after that. That's actually not true. We out here. Take the caps off, but do not stop learning. <laughs> I'm Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel Lindsay. You hold it. You hear it. You taste it. It's right. Take the
really wonderful. You got the right one, baby. <laughs> Woo! Recipes, right? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.